Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. All right, how's everybody doing? It's been a good day so far, huh? It always amazes me when I ask God for something and He's faithful. Sometimes we think he takes too long. But how many of you know we serve a right on time God? Sometimes if we got it too fast, maybe our faith wouldn't be tried and our faith wouldn't grow and we would just keep on being like we've always been. I know that there's times in our life that when we're challenged, we grow the most. When there's uncertainty, we grow the most. It's those convenient, complacent moments of our life that we tend to just remain idle and don't grow and live in the good life, right? I think God has a good way of not allowing us to remain like that for too long because I think we will settle. That's just, we like routines. We like comfort. We like to know, you know, what's going on. You know, I know in our life, sometimes we won't make that many radical choices. You know, I think as uh, we were talking about... uh, are, you know, with gra- all the graduates happening, we were thinking about, man, how many years ago was it since we graduated? And, you know, I am approaching my 20 year, 20 years since I've graduated, right? You know, so you're thinking about it, you're like, man, now I've been out of school more than I was in school, unless you went to college and you stayed there forever, you know, give or take, but you've been out more than you've been in. And, and I think about life and the amount of time that has passed and you know, in the question, sometimes I ask, Lord, have I lived radical enough? Now, I'm not talking idiotic. I'm talking about radical. You know, did I trust you for big things? Did I, did I believe you for amazing things? Or did I just settle for what was comfortable? Did I just settle for what was within my reach or within my grasp? Or did I believe you for great things? I think each of us have to evaluate that in our lives. This morning, I want to look at, a, it's titled, Transform or Conform. We have to realize, don't conform, but be transformed. As, as I was thinking about this passage from, from Romans 12 too, that you can be one, but you can't be both. You can be, you know, they're, they're in constant conflict with each other. You know, so this morning, I'm really going to unpack, what does it mean to conform? What does it really mean to transform? And what does God prefer from us? Because we have to realize that there is an enemy of this world at work that is striving to cause us to conform to the pattern of this world. 100%. You say, well, Pastor, no, I'm not really doing anything. And sometimes that's the point. You don't do anything. You passively sit by and you are accidentally on autopilot going to achieve some type of destination. And more than likely, it is in conforming to that of the world rather than being transformed to the image of Christ. That's my challenge for you this morning. You know, so let's look at this passage from Romans 12, 1 through 2. We'll jump right in. We're going to use this scripture kind of as the framework for everything we're going to talk about this morning. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So listen to each of these statements. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this is going to be the core focus of everything we talk about. You know, I've been concerned about the state of our culture and where we're headed if we don't turn to God and take a stand right now. You know, we're living in a, in a culture system established by decades ago, maybe passivity, maybe not standing up for Christian beliefs, maybe not standing to support biblical patterns, and, because we didn't want to rock the boat. Now, I understand that there's good, you know, you just don't want to get in a, around a bunch of heathens and say, ah, like, you know, curse what they're doing, but, you know, I get beat up, right? What? But what I'm talking about, when there are moments in your life to take a stand for God's standard, you got to do it. What if it cost me my life, Pastor Noe? So be it. Right? There, there, there comes a moment in our life where we have to take a stand for what we believe in. You know, but the culture is on, its, it's on a direct route to hell. You have to realize that when I talk about this conforming to this pattern of the world, it is headed straight for, you know, we messed it up. Think about, go way, way back. God created man. He created woman. He created them perfect. Two perfect people messed it all up, and then he sent the flood. So if two perfect people can't get it right, we realize that humanity left to its own demise will always end in destruction and death. Unless God gets involved. So this conforming is just this kind of just whatever you say and just following suit. It's just doing, practicing what the world does. It is in conformity with a worldly system, not a biblical Christian system. Okay, so we have to realize that, you know, uh, we, you know, if we conform to this pattern, um, conform means by definition to comply with the rules, the standards or the laws. So do you realize that if we continually um, make rules or we reduce the standard based on what we think versus what God's word says, we risk allowing those rules and those standards to become laws that you will then be forced to comply with by state and federal mandate? I'm going to give you a few little things that I came across this week that just really kind of startled me as far as what the, just the United States, I can't talk for other countries and all of these other, you know, places, but for the United States, I feel like I am an American, right? Greatest place ever, but yet the most messed up. You know, when we really look at what is the, you know, what does culture stand for? What do they support? Now, I'm not saying this is a slippery slope system where everybody believes this. But I'm also saying that we are on the way that way. If we're not careful and we're not standing our ground, it's just, a, it's just like a, a landslide, a mud slippery slope. Everybody's seen mud around lately, right? Can't, almost can't avoid it. But, you know, this weekend we would walk in mud that was packed, but then there's that mud that's about inch and a half and not packed, and it's slick. That's what happens if we follow a culture system. We will just, you know, strive to do what's right, but if we walk that close to it, we will slip into our own demise. We'll just go right along with it. So there's times in our life we have to completely go the opposite way. We can't just sit there and dabble on the side of convenient culture rather than true Christianity. So true Christianity is always going to be established on biblical principles, not personal opinion. And that's a hard thing because everybody who is making assumptions as far as what is right or what's biblically correct, they're not using the Bible to support those things. They're saying, hey, well, God loves everyone, so dot, dot, therefore, and then they go over here and they stop right there with God loves, and then they fill in the blank with their worldly system. Absolutely, God loves. But you don't use that one part of the phrase to justify everything you choose to do. 
Well, God loves me anyway. Doesn't he forgive? Absolutely. But even Paul said, he says, don't use this forgiveness as a tool to sin more. But where's where's that struggle and there's that sin? Allow grace to abound. All right? So we got to realize, you know, if we reduce these standards based on what we think versus what God's word says, rules, standards, mandates, all of these things will change. So conformity to human standards rather than God's standard is going to cost Christians the type of persecution we see in scriptures. Now, let me clarify what that statement means. You know, as the world conforms to evil, Christians will see persecution. The true Christians. I'm not talking about the watered down ones that are just like, yeah, you know, like I'm going to be a Christian while I'm at church, but when I'm around my friends, I'm going to be like the world just so I'm not persecuted. If you truly make a stand for God that is bold, that is courageous, that is kind of counterculture, persecution is going to be knocking at our doorstep. Now, my concern is it's going to happen sooner rather than later. As the dividing line begins to kind of present itself with this is God's standard, but this is the world's standard. Well, you can't say that because that goes against what what these people believe. Well, you can't say that because that goes against what the Bible says. Go toe to toe. Don't just shut up. I mean, you got to do something. You got to say something. Not saying nothing is passivity and their agenda will be promoted. There are certain areas that I have the freedom to speak in and I know this is live stream and hopefully it doesn't get shut down. Because I'm walking right on the edge this morning. So careful who you share it with. I'm just playing. I don't care. You guys are hearing it, which is the most important, right? Um, so we have to realize, what is God's standard? You know, Peter and the apostles in Acts 5.29 actually stated, we must obey God rather than human beings. Now, that doesn't, we ain't talking about speeding, right? You know, like, oh, well, you know, I got to get there. By time short, got to be going 85 for Jesus when it says 70. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that culture says is right that is completely contrary to the Word of God. Where your personal conviction and biblical principles are are misaligned and you're being forced to do something you don't agree with. Now this is going to be pretty obvious for you unless you are so desensitized to culture where you are just now conformed already and you don't realize it. But we have to realize this conforming versus transforming, there is a process in which we align with conforming And there is a process in which we align to transform. Okay? So it says, it's time to be living sacrifice and live lives that are holy and pleasing to God. Now, when we look at that word holy, a lot of us immediately are going to see the word perfect. That's not what holy means there. It means to be set apart. It means to be God's. To say, Lord, I'm yours. You know, this, this, this is what he's talking about when he says living sacrifice, that we're set apart and pleasing to God. That pleasing to God, that means just what? Doing what is right. That's all it is. If the Bible says it, do it. If it's against it, don't do it. Red light, green light. It's pretty straightforward. It's not super complicated. But it's to, to mark yourself as being God's and doing what, what he says. That's it. That is your living sacrifice. But that's not just a Sunday thing, guys we got to make sure that our lifestyles are, are every single day of the week. But it's time to be living sacrifices, being set apart, and being pleasing to God. You know, Paul starts out this passage not just communicating, but he uses the word urge, which by definition is, is to try earnestly and persistently to persuade someone to do something. 
So he starts out with this super strong emphasis. And to today, I'm doing the exact same thing. I am going to urge you to understand what the scripture says. Because perhaps I can convince one to have a change of mind, to think a little bit differently, to say, you know what, I have been naive and deceived, and I have been conforming, and it's, it's today I'm, I need to transform. That's all it takes. One moment for you to come to your senses. It's like the prodigal son. He thought he had it all figured out. He said, hey, give me everything. I want my inheritance. And he says he took his father's inheritance, and he went away. And he lived foolishly. He wasted it, and he... I'm not going to describe all of the things he probably did, but just imagine you're young and dumb, and I, write, and I give you $50,000 and say, go your way. Oh, Dad, guess what I just bought? Like, you know, I don't know. Like, what would it be? Like, but not in your senses. Waste a lot of money. Act foolish. And it says that he came to the end after he had just wasted everything his father gave him. But there was this moment of, he said, he came to his senses. He thought about it versus not thinking about it. When we talk about conforming, you're just not really thinking about it. You're just going through, well, oh, this is cool. Right? You maybe started a beer tab, right? And you're like, all of y'all, I'll pay for all of you. You idiot, you only got 50000 That's what a thinker is going to think like. A non-thinker is like, hey, I got everybody's tab. And then you're walking away with your little bit of money left. You think about it, like I think in a way like this, like, man, I can't. I got to survive the month or I got to wait till next payday. I mean, I'm not, you know, when you think, when you're thinking, engaging your brain versus disengaging your brain, you're going to think totally different. My children will spend my money faster, as fast as I give it to them. They don't know what it's worth. They don't know how much it costs. They don't know, they don't know the value of work. They just don't understand. It's real easy for them to, hey, man, I just bought this, right? I just bought this. Dad, look what I bought. And I'm like, and you could have went to Dollar Tree with that same 20 bucks and bought 20 of them. They got you. You should have paid a dollar for that, son. But look what I got, Dad. It's just coming to their senses, engaging the brain, right? So we have to, you know, so my goal this morning is to urge, to persuade that if you are a wayward son or a wayward daughter, you come back today. Now, you may say, Pastor Noah, you're being kind of mean. If this is your first time you ever heard me preach, I'm sorry, I'm not always like this, but most of the time I am. What did he just say? He is or he isn't? You'll have to figure it out. But one thing that we have to do, we have to align our lives with the word of God. It doesn't matter what Pastor Noe thinks or even what you think. What does God's word say? What does it say? And that is the standard. That is the measuring stick. Right? That's his standard. We cannot reduce the standard and expect to bless God. Effort is not going to please God. Obedience will. Well, I tried, Lord, but dot, 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 you fill in the blank. Because most of the time it's an excuse or it's too complicated or we just didn't want to. Think about it. Anytime we try to reduce that. This passage, it says, in view of God's mercy, and that is such a powerful statement because this, this means when grace is applied, it is possible to live the kind of life that God demands. He says, when my grace is there, in view of God's mercy, mercy and grace working in your life, that is what makes the change. Do you realize it's because of God's mercy at work in us that we can do and be all that Scripture demands of us? 
Let me tell you one more thing. Any change in your life that has happened by knowing Christ is his grace working in you. Any change that you have, it's the grace of God in you. It's not because you were born right or you had the right family. It's God's work at work in you, which is his grace given to us. So some of us may pop our collar this morning and be like, hey, look at me. You better be saying, hey, look at the grace of God in my life. Because the prideful, arrogant fool will fall flat on their face. So if there is any glory, if there's any goodness within us this morning, make sure that we're saying, Lord, thank you for your grace at work in my life. Before we trusted Christ, we have to realize that we used our bodies for sinful pleasures and purposes. But now that we belong to him, there should have been a change. We want to use our bodies for his glory. And you guys have heard this passage, I'm sure. The, the Christian body is God's temple because the Spirit of God dwells where? Within each and every single one of us, within him. So it's our privilege to glorify Christ in our body and magnify Christ in our body. So we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifice to glorify God. That's how we should be living. That's what we should be doing. Romans 8, 9 in the NIV, it says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit lives in you. Now, that's conditional. If the Spirit doesn't live in you, then you're probably still in the realm of the flesh. But if the Spirit is within you, you are now in the realm of the Spirit. You are working according to the things of the Spirit, no longer under the things of the flesh. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't live in the flesh and we're not going to have struggles, but your whole countenance, everything inside of you that either screams for the things of the flesh or screams for the things of the Spirit, they should be now leaning towards the things of the Spirit versus the things of the flesh. Now, that doesn't mean that your mind or your flesh won't draw you towards those things, but there should be so much of the Spirit within you that you normally will lean towards the things of the Spirit versus leaning towards the things of the flesh. Okay? So if indeed the Spirit lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So you may say, Pastor, no, I don't feel like I got the Spirit in me. I'm still bent towards evil, and I want to do what I want when I want to do it. I don't feel any change. Well, maybe you're not saved today. Man, you got to get that right before you leave. Because if that's what it takes to come to the revelation that you are not saved this morning, so be it. I'd rather you test and say, do I know Jesus or do I not? Do I serve him as Lord and master or do I serve myself as Lord and master? It's not very hard to figure it out, but you have to come to the realization of what God you serve. Is it the God of me or is it the God of heaven and earth? Only you can answer that. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. It says, do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Now, how many of you know little children, me, mine, I want it, no, like, you know, you think of the, the nature of how we are raised, everything that I want, I want that, I want this, or no, man, you, man, the first time your kids say that, you almost want to end their life, it just kind of, I'll show you no, you know why they said no first, that's what you told them their whole life, you programmed it, but they, you know, children are, are a great example of a no filter person. If you could say no, you'd say no. If you could say, I ain't want to, like whatever, you know, however your kids are looking, I don't want to do that. I'm not coming in for overtime. Forget you. Like if you could really say what you wanted, like without, you're like, no, yes, sir, I'll be there. Right? You know, because you got a filter. 
But if we really go back to the nature of how we were created and how God has built us, like, you know, I think we just see all of these things at stake. But you have to realize that you are not your own. That's one of the things that changes when we receive Christ. Your life, your habits, the things that you want are not of the most importance to God. You realize that? Not saying that God won't bless you with nice things or good things, but his agenda is not to make you comfortable and richly blessed, to have all of these things. His focus is always the kingdom. Always. Sometimes for some of us to change to be like what God wants, he might have to remove everything from our lives. Now, I hope we come to our senses before that point. But that's really what God does sometimes. Now, if we'll be thankful for what we have and we'll give God glory for what we'll have, he's okay with those things. You know, I think it's, but I think it's when we sometimes make those say, well, look what I worked for. Look what I bought with all that extra overtime. Look what I did. Look what I built on my own two shoulders. Because that glorifies self. It does not glorify God. So to conform means what? We glorify self. To transform means we glorify God. So I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to try to separate the two so you can see the, the contrast between one or the other. All right. So it says, you are not your own. Verse 20, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, some of you may say, well, my body is my body. I can do what I want. But Jesus gave his unto death. I think Jesus could have said, my body is my body. I'm not going to give my life up for you. But yet he did. So whatever your thoughts, well, it's too much, Jesus. <laughs> okay, good luck with that one. Let you deal with that one by yourself. So we have to live a life set apart and pleasing to God. This is our true and proper worship. So really, you know, worship is not just something we do on Sundays in a corporate gathering, but it's all about what we do with our lifestyle. Measure your worship to the Lord, not by Sundays, but what does your life look like Monday through Saturday? Let's take Sunday out of the equation. You're like, oh, I'm a worshiper. I love to worship. Okay, take Sunday out of it. What did Monday look like? Well, I was mad. I drank coffee. I yelled at my kids and I went to work. Well, there wasn't no worship there. Tuesday was raining for the 45th millionth day and you're mad and you, your car's dirty, your socks got wet, you had to go to work and you came home. Get out of my face, kids. I've been at work all... You ain't no Jesus there, okay? Let's go to Wednesday. Maybe Wednesday's church day. Well, it just so happens we don't have life groups right now, so you ain't got no Jesus moment. Thank God we're starting Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You can get your Jesus moment on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday through life groups. But up to this point, you get to Wednesday and you're about to lose your stuff. You're frustrated, you're irritated, you know, and, and, we, and then we, co- we come to, then we, get, we, go, we survive the week. We're not worshiping, we're just struggling, and we get to Sunday, oh, thank you, Jesus. And, and all of a sudden, everything's right. And we think that that's what God intends our life to look like? Come on. But can we start with worship on Monday? Say, Lord, without you, I can't make this week. You know, you got to look, look at Sunday on Monday as yesterday's manna. There was something about the principle of manna is that every single day you had what you needed for the day. Now, some of us like to gorge on a Sunday. Morgan, Jessica, a few more songs. I'm almost charged up. I need a little bit. Hey, can we go back to worship? Man, I was really there. I don't care about the message because the, marriage, the, the message kind of challenged me. But that worship, all self-centered, right? It's all for me. I just need more of Jesus in my life. Selfish worshiper. What are you doing? It ain't for you. It's for Jesus. So even our worship is selfish. Come on. You don't like that. You're like, what do you mean selfish? 
How many of y'all prayed a selfish prayer this morning? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Look, well, I said I needed this, Lord. Well, was that selfish? Yes, because it was for you. It wasn't sacrificing self and saying, Lord, whatever you want for whatever, for whatever the cost for others. But we're built like that, right? So we have to realize that that lifestyle of worship, it, it has to be lived out that Monday through Saturday. You know, we can't live like hell during the week and then pretend to be godly on Sundays. Just doesn't work. Let your lifestyle be consistent. Let your life represent that lifestyle every day of your life. You know, in verse 2, two in Romans 12, you have two options. You can either conform or transform, but you can't do both. So think about life as a tug of war, okay? So you have, you have two options. You, you, can, you can either lean on one side to conform, or you can lean on the other side to transform. Now, the Bible talks about it in a different way. You know, so when, when, I, when I look at the examples through Scripture, we have to understand what Scripture says and what it does, but he illustrates it in two different ways. He says you can either be hot, which, which we know the example of hot is what? Being on fire for God, right? Being serious about your walk with Christ. You know, so we understand that this is one side of the spectrum, that we can be hot, which really pleases God, or there's this passive side that is lukewarm, that's in the middle of the line. Now, I'm going to show you in an example in just a minute why lukewarm really doesn't toe the line. Okay, so then we have that lukewarm in the middle, and then if we go to the other side of the spectrum, all the way over here, these are the fakers, these are the, one, these are the pretenders, these are the ones that don't like to ruffle any feathers, and this is what you are called cold. So you have two options. You, you, can, either, you can either be hot, or you can be cold, or you can be lukewarm. Now some of you say, Pastor Noe, I'm not, I'm not lukewarm, or I'm not cold. Let me challenge you a little bit. Because I believe that if every Christian was on fire and hot for God, we'd be seeing revival and we would have never got to the place that we are as a culture and a society that we are today. Somebody was complacent, somebody was lukewarm, and somebody was cold. Because if all of us were sold out and convinced and unto death and spoke boldly the word of God, any time we were faced with something contrary to Scripture, we'd never be in the condition we're in. Somebody compromised. All right, I need a few volunteers. Morgan goes, I ain't standing up. <laughs> Rocco, you want to help me, buddy? Heck no, he don't trust me either. And I got one, I got two. I know I won't hurt his feelings. Glad that cold side over there. So I got to find somebody that will grow the cold. I ain't going to cold side. I'm going to hot. Felix, I'm on the hot side, man, hot side. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes we get on the cold side. James, I'll need you. Kevin, I'll need you. Okay, so we get to the cold side sometimes, you know, like, let, let's, let's just look at the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not lie. But what happens if I'm lying because it, it, the, the risk of being honest and truthful is going to cost me more than it's worth? Well, I'm not going to completely lie. I'm just going to fib the truth or I'm going to tell partial truth that kind of decorates it as a partial truth, but it's really a lie. It's being cold, buddy. Maybe lukewarm if, you, if you're a good liar. Come on, right? But then what, what about over here where it says, honor your father and mother? And Felix does it to the T. He says, man, I don't like it. Mom, you're always telling me what to do, but yes, ma'am. Dad, you're telling me what to do? Yes, sir. That's, it don't matter. Kids, you're never right until you're the parent. It's like, I got to grow up. You ain't got to grow up. Enjoy your time. But we have to realize, you know, so 
What does conformity look like? Kevin, come up here. Conformity looks like following a cultural perspective. So go over here. You're following a culturally perspective. If they say it's cool, you do it. If they think it's acceptable, you do it. Grab a hold of that rope. So he grabs onto that cold side. He don't know no better. Everybody, okay, who's ever said everybody else is doing it? Whoever said that? Young adults, don't lie to me. Who said that? Come on up here, Faith. Go grab that side. But I should put you over here because you're not lying. But you're, you know, whatever. Everybody else is doing it. Okay, what about when we, when we see something? Who, who's ever said, well, that's just the way it is? Oh, come on. You're guilty. <laughs> She's like, oh, I don't <laughs> She didn't have to raise her hand. She just had that guilt look. <laughs> All right. What about passively standing by? When you know you should say something or do something, you don't. Hey. Hold on. Sit down, Ken. I saw Brittany over here. I didn't see you. I'm going to get you over here on this side, Ken. What about when you do what the Bible says and you don't waver from it? Hold on to that, Ken, with every bit of life you got. Because that's what it takes to stand for God. Now, we got to realize right now as a culture, this is what it stinking looks like. You realize that? This is what culture looks like. You got two men of God over here who are standing with everything they got for God, but you're oh outnumbered. Then some of you have enough enough nerve and gumption to say, well, I'm just going to be lukewarm. Pull a little bit that way. Pull a little bit that way. You know what this lukewarm guy does? Okay, pull me this way. You just, I mean, you can't do nothing. You're just going with the flow of whatever. What we have to have happen is we have to have people that are sold out for God. Not just on a Sunday, but let's say I say, Lord, I'm no longer going to settle. I'm no longer going to compromise, but I'm going to do everything you say. Morgan, come up here and help me. And I'm going to say, we're going to stand together. I'm going to challenge my brother. We can do this together, man. We got to stand boldly. Grab right here. Who else wants some of this? James, come up here. That we, that we counter culture with everything that it says. Now, let me tell you what, if we keep stacking this side with people who are hot and on fire for God. What's going to happen? Win a battle. We're going to hurt somebody. That's what Morgan says. Says, hey, we got the, we got the, we got the cattle buck company over here. 100% beef. <laughs> hold, that, hold that line for me. Scripture says, because, you know, and this is his reprimand to a church. He says, because you are lukewarm and you are neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. This is not an option. This is not an option. But how many of you think this is okay? Don't raise your hand. Because you may not say that it's acceptable, but your lifestyle says otherwise. You can drop the rope on the ground and you can go back to your seat. Thank you. So we have to realize there is this battle. Our lives are a tug of war. You have to, you have to choose what side you're going to go to. You have to fight. You know, even when everybody gets there and everybody gets there, you know it's still war when you say go. Right? Let's say there's less guys over here than over here. You can still win, but you've got to work a lot harder. The war does not stop just because you've picked a side. But you have to continue to keep slack, keep the slack out of the line and pull with everything you got. 
you know, this week, and I just, I just want to continue to paint the picture of, of the condition that culture's in. You know, this week, as I was looking at my dig- digital calendar, I, we've, start, we've moved to Google Docs and all of our calendars so that we can structure all of the crazy stuff. My life, church life, all of these things, it's crazy. I'm like, Lord, I don't, man, I'm looking at my calendar right now. Everything has something on it every day. So Becky, Cecily, everybody's helping me. But as I was looking at the calendar this week, you know, I came across, you know, because there's a check mark that says, you know, your, your U.S. holidays. So most of you have them on an iPhone product or on, you know, any, it'll have U.S. holidays. So as I was going through them, I saw Mother's Day. I saw Father's Day. I saw Memorial Day, Independence Day. Those holidays are coming. I was like, cool, wonder what we're doing. But then for the first time ever at the beginning of the month on June 1st, it says the first day of LGBTQ plus Pride Month. Somebody's agenda is getting through. So now this is not just a day, but this is Pride Month focusing, celebrating something that is completely contrary to the word of God. But yet we're going to take a whole month and be prideful for the focus of that. Oh, man, what in the world has our world come to? Now, if you don't know what that means, go Google it, but make sure your kids aren't around. Let me tell you one thing about that plus on the end. That's where it'll get you. So the plus covers anything else that wasn't covered by the first five. Anything else you're venturing or searching out to be. Last I, last I checked, God said male or female. I fashioned them that way. That's the way I wanted it. End of discussion. All right. So we have to realize anything contrary to God's standard, it's not right. We have to realize that which we tolerate or accept is what we get and what we deserve. You know, you want to make a change in your life? You want to make a change in your home? Change what you're doing. You create what you build or what you compromise or what you just, you got to realize that. You know, you're like, well, whose fault is it, Pastor? It's our fault. It's the Christian's fault. We didn't stand or it's not that God doesn't want to do something. It's not that God doesn't want to intervene, but he has to have people that will be his mouthpiece. He has to have people that will stand and be bold and courageous. A counterculture approach is what has to happen. Passivity and silence have brought us to a place in our country that we're being influenced by the world, not the word. By the world, not the word. Let me keep moving. Let me get off this craziness train, all right? So we know that the biggest battle we fight sometimes in our life is in our mind. And you have to realize that in the mind is where the transformation begins to start. If you will change the way you think, you will change the way you live, you will change the way you act. It is the epicenter of everything. So when we renew our mind and we change what it is we're seeing or hearing, it will directly impact that which we are thinking. And what we will think will directly affect what we will do or how we will act. I don't know if I, I'll tell you again because I think it's a super funny story. Uh, I've told it before, but I remember when I was younger, I was playing a Need for Speed game, and this, this version of this game was called Most Wanted. So the strategy was to run from the cops as long as you can. So I'm playing this game, and the longer you, I mean, if you hit a cop car and you run and you get away, oh, you're getting more points. And, you know, so it, it's, it's adding your wanted score, right? So it kept going, it kept going, and, man, it was intense. Helicopters coming, a whole bunch of cops. Finally, you get caught, right? So I remember the first time I was at a four-way stop in Bay City, and I'm sitting at the stop sign, and my mind says, what would I do if a cop is chasing me in real life? Man, I was plugging in too much of the wrong things into my brain. That was the day I quit playing that game. 
It's like, well, I'd cut this way. I'd go behind H-U-B, and then I'd stop at the bank. Like, come on. Like, are you serious? You just made a game into real life. But it's because what you were thinking about, what you, man, I mean, it, I don't, have you, you guys have played video games. When it's real intense, you're like, man, this is awesome. The adrenaline rush, and it's like, the moment that comes to real life, you got to pump them brakes. Because what you're focusing on or giving your attention to it is beginning to affect you and how you think and how you act and what you do. Man, if a cop would have pulled up behind me, I'd probably have hit the gas that day. It would have made the story even better. But I came to my senses, right? So um, how do we guard our mind? I'm glad you asked. Philippians 4, 7 in the NIV, and it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the peace of God, we have to have that in our life. It will cause ease to the storm. It'll cause, you know, you think about it. Um, if you've ever had to, let's say you had a fight with somebody or you had a conflict, have you ever thought of how the conversation was going to go when you go, have to go talk to them? Well, if you sit on it long enough, you know how bad your mind is on playing games on you, and you're like, oh, they're going to hate you. They're going to punch you in the face. They're going to take you to jail. They're, like your brain just starts going and going and going. And then you talk to them, and it's like, hey, man, that's cool, bro. No hard feelings. And that's it. But your mind made it go into this huge issue. And, you know, or let's say you were mad at somebody. You ever been mad at somebody? You get madder, 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 and then you really do want to punch them in the face? Well, the mind works against you sometimes, too. Well, just deal with it quick. You don't want to talk to Pastor Noe once I'm mad at you. I'm going to talk to you before I'm mad. Because if I'm really mad, mad, you're going to know I'm mad. I was a good mad guy before I was a Christian. Stupid mad is what I call it. Just in, disengage the brain, just did stupid stuff because I was angry. Right? So I know what will happen if you don't guard the heart. You won't guard the brain. So the peace of God, is, so it says, that transcends all understanding. Where does understanding come from? The mind. Right? From what you understand, for what you recall, for what you think. But it says the peace of God will guard your heart and will guard your mind. So what are you filling your mind with? So if we lose the battle for our mind, it will directly affect our lives. So we have to make up our mind and either acknowledge Christ as king or reject him. Not choosing Christ is the equivalent of rejecting him. That's that lukewarmness I was telling you about. That's just passively sitting there. So if he's going to spit you out of his mouth... In Scripture and how he explains it, you know what he's going to do at heaven's gates? If you are a lukewarm Christian, you're not going to make it to heaven. That lukewarmness does not honor God. It doesn't take a side. You try to straddle the fence and say, well, I want to, I want, I want to please both. You can't do that. God will reject that. He wants all of you or he wants none of you. Live for God or reject God. Lukewarmness is not an option. That's how a lot of people get caught being called a hypocrite. You try, to, you try to appease both sides. Be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. Second Corinthians 5, 13 through 17. It says, if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Say that one more time. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died to our old self. Verse 15, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for who? Themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. 
Verse 16, for we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. So our, our mindset changed. So how differently we know him now, if we do indeed know him. Verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Now, one of my favorite things about being a Christian, that new life, God, God will give you a new chance every single day. He's as faithful as the sun that shines. Most of us are beating ourselves up from what we did yesterday. Guess what? We can't change yesterday. Hopefully, we can just learn from our error, correct it, and move on. But only by the grace of God. So to conform means that you look just like the world. So when you got this side over here, these are just robots. They're just looking just like the world. Man, have you ever had anybody tell you in a negative way, man, I didn't know you were a Christian? You ever had that happen? Hope not. Right? I hope the other side is, man, I've noticed something different to you. I can tell you're a Christian. That's what we want. I can tell that you're a Christian versus like, I didn't know you were a Christian. Instead of going to church, that's the only fruit that I've seen. <laughs> Conforming to the world. So why does it matter that I renew my mind? I'm so glad you asked because this part of the passage is my favorite part. If we can go back to the core verse, it says that if you renew your mind, it says that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So one of the most important things that you will ever discover is what God's will is. Okay? So to test something is to establish the quality or the reliability of something. And to approve means that you accept it. So you test it, but you know what? You already are going to make the A. Like you already know. We know we are standing on what God has already established. It's like we have the answer key. And then we just accept it. We accept what Jesus has done. You know, that, that's, what, that's what Christianity is all about. It's just accepting the work that Christ has done, not what you can do for yourself. Hopefully most of us have figured out how much we can amount to by ourselves. Some of us came to Christ in that condition, right? We tried to do it right. We tried to act right. We tried to go through all the motions to be a Christian. But until that transformation of our heart changes, we will never be all that God has called us to be. We just got people with a whole lot of willpower and maybe mom implementing that act rightness in our lives. I don't know. That causes us to be right. But until the heart changes, that renews the mind, we won't see those changes in our life. So we know that God's will is what? Good, pleasing, and perfect. We need to know that a renewed mind, that you will understand what God's will is for your life. And a conformed mind will bring confusion to your life. So we have to understand that the, the choice is yours. You can understand what the will of God is, you know, by having a renew, renewed, transformed mind. Or you can conform and become more and more confused. I don't see it getting better for this side. I see stuff all the time. Just, you know, I scratch my head. And I was like, are people really that ignorant? Like, I'm, I mean, they're coming up with some pretty radicals. Like, there's no way. Oh, yes, there's a way because they got a huge following. Yeah. Yeah, what? Well, he said it. Where did he pull it? Where did he make that up? I don't know, but we're for him. Conforming. For those who see, it's easy to see. For those who walk in darkness, 
you cannot see the light. Maybe you've walked in darkness for too long. Well, I know a God that will illuminate every dark area in your life. He will remove the blinders so that you can see. If you'll receive the truth today. That truth and that life comes through the Son. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For our God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So if we're walking through life in confusion, once again, I don't feel like it's rocket science, but let me say it just for the benefit. If you are walking in confusion, probably over here on the conforming side. If you're walking on the side of peace, who is the author of peace? Who is the author of confusion? Right? Well, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should stay in this relationship. Well, everybody else is doing it. Well, you sound like a confused individual. Well, what do you mean? Exactly, you're still confused, right? (laughs) The only place that you will find that clarity is to live a sold-out, radical, on-fire relationship for Christ. You guys stand up with me. We're going to get out of here. Share two more things with you real quick. Everybody seen Transformers? Even the old school ones, the old Transformers, whatever. No, maybe not the new ones. I ain't seen all the new ones. They came out with too many of them. Well, yeah, that's true, but... What is the identity of a... My favorite part of the Transformer is when they were a car or they were a truck or whatever they are, and then they turn into the robot thing that they are. The look on everybody's face is like, wow, you're not like everybody else. Something different is... There's something different about you. So if we are to live a transformed life, we should stand out like a sore thumb to be like, wow, you're different. I hope people say that all the time about us. Man, what's different about you? You're kind of weird. Oh, we're just, we're sold out Christians. I'm sorry not everybody's doing that. But this is what Jesus would do. And this is what I'm going to do. What if they laugh at you? It's okay, they laughed at Jesus. What if you're persecuted? It's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. What if it costs you? It's already costing me. But it costs Jesus everything. Let's look at the perspective. This morning, if you are living a lukewarm lifestyle, you've got to choose a side. Got to choose. I'd rather you choose cold rather than play church and be in the middle. Say, Pastor, you trying to lose people? No, but I'm trying to convince people to live for Christ. I don't want a whole church of fakers. I want people who are sold out for the things of God. Now, I believe also we're going to go over here and we're going to rescue people off of that side. And bring them to this side. We're going we're gonna to rally with these and say, you're so close. You're just in the lukewarm. You're not completely ignorant. You're just partially ignorant. Come on over. Don't you see what Jesus has done? The price that he paid. And let me tell you what, guys. If you can believe this, you can believe Christ. Uh-huh. John 15, 18 through 19, it says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of this world. That is why the world hates you. So if you don't have haters hating you, maybe you're not living the life God has called you to.
because there will always be those people who will not agree with the life that you live. But if they're going to be tough on you, guess what? <laughs> Let's be tough on them. I don't agree with what you're doing. Why does it matter? Well, let me tell you what the Bible says. Because hearing the word of God, do you know that's the only thing that breaks change, that brings revelation? It says by hearing the word of God, faith arises. Hearing the word of God. It's not just to reprimand them or blame them for their sin, but it's saying this is what the love of Jesus is all about. This is how he established it. This is, he loved the sinner. He didn't justify the sin, but he loved the sinner. And he provided a way for you to get from that side of the rope to that side of the rope. When we see that rope that connects everything, that was like the cross laid across his arms. He bridged the gap. We were here and we were able to get here. At best effort on our own attempts, we could maybe get to the center. But we could never make it. We have to realize that peace transforms and reveals. The peace of God is what will transform us. And then when that transformation happens, it will reveal what the perfect will of God is. On the other side of that, confusion is what will cause conformity. And that conformity will always cloud. So it's time to transform rather than conforming. Wherever you're at this morning, I don't know, you know, when you... I can show videos, I can show pictures, but you'll remember this illustration today. Wherever you are at on the rope, if it's not on the hot side, you got to relocate. You got to reposition yourself. You got to say, Lord, I've <laughs> been going through the motions. Don't stop at the lukewarmness. Let me put it this way. You're at church this morning, right? All of you are at church. So at best, you're playing the lukewarm card because you're here. But if you're that close, keep on coming over. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each one here. Father, if there are people here this morning that don't know you or they're living a lukewarm lifestyle, Father, I pray that today that they would make a choice to follow you radically. Maybe they don't know how to do it. Maybe they've never seen it modeled. It doesn't matter. You set the model. You told us what to do. You showed us what to do. Your scripture will continue to clarify to us what we're to do. But this morning we make a commitment to you to be hot, to be on fire, to be sold out. If every, while everybody's eyes are closed, if that's you this morning and you've got to make a radical move to the hot side, I want you to get out of your seat and come forward. I'm not going to do a traditional altar call where we ask you or whatever, but when you, if you decide this morning, I'm going to make a move for me and I'm going to do it, get out of your seat and come forward. Maybe you've been on that lukewarm side. I'm all busting up your toes. I'm so sorry. But if you feel the Spirit of the Lord drawing you, saying, hey, come on home, child. You're so close. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. Father, I'd preach this whole message again for one. But Father, I pray that we would stay near you. Holy Spirit, do your work. Lord, your word says, unless you draw the hearts of men, 
There's nothing we can do. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, God. Thank you for your goodness, Lord, and your faithfulness. You know, I just got a big uh, visual example. We're like a bunch of kids playing tug of war. I'm right. You're right. And it's like Daddy God is on this side and he has that final loop around his waist. And we think our pulling with all of our effort and all of our work is what's going to move and sway people our way. But all it's taking is Daddy God just taking one step back. And he begins to move that line of lukewarmness to the hot side. And he begins to move those who are on the cold side to the lukewarm side where he causes everything to shift. It ain't by our strength. Pull harder. I'm trying. Your hands are about to rip off. It's daddy God that moves the line. It's daddy God that gets you to the place from lukewarmness to hot. We pray for each of you that responded this morning. Lord, I thank you for each one that responded. And Father, I pray today that you would meet them where they're at. Father, whatever compromise, whatever lie, whatever confusion, Lord, Father, I ask that their eyes would be opened. Lord, that we don't have to work to get to the hot side. We just got to stay on the hot side. Because it's really you that does the work. So Holy Spirit... Move us, secure us, and hold us like only you can. Hey, I'm not going to force it with those that came forward. If you want personal prayer, can you just lift your hand up for me real quick? Okay. Anybody else? You can put your hand back down. Pray for her right here. I know God's still at work. It's not too late. You know, it's like when Jesus passed by and the lady with the issue of blood said, perhaps if I can just grab a a piece of his garment that I would be forever changed. Just visualize Jesus is walking by. But even when he walks by, he doesn't stay there forever. He doesn't stay there. There's seasons where it's like, God, man, he's ta- he taps on your heart or he draws you. or you know, We know that feeling when we're like, man, God drew me that one time, man. I couldn't avoid him. But this morning, if there's a need in this house that you have need of, Father God is passing by. But you're going to have to move. You're going to have to come. I'm going to dismiss you, but please be courteous. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.